There is an identity crisis in society today. What does God's Word say about identity? That is the question we'll attempt to answer on today's episode of Kingdom Currents. Welcome to Kingdom Currents. I'm Glenn Schultz, your host, and today I'm excited to be joined by Mr. Ben Shetler. Ben is the president of the Center for Truth in Love. Ben, welcome to Kingdom Currents. So excited to be here, Dr. Schultz. What an honor it is to be able to have a conversation with you. Ben, would you take a couple of minutes and tell our listeners what is the Center for Truth in Love and what caused you to start this ministry? Well, the Center for Truth and Love exists because of of a division in Christianity. On one hand, you have Christians that want to be loving, but they take culture's definition of love. And so they're often silent about issues that need to be spoken about, and that's not what real love is. On the other hand, you have the Christians, and I know you're aware of of these, that do speak, and when they speak, you wish they would be silent because of how unloving they are. And so, but God hasn't called us to silence, but he also has called us to unkindness. And so the Bible says in a culture that's tossed back and forth with every claim to truth by deceit and cunning craftiness, that we speak the truth in love. And to speak the truth, you have to know the truth. So the Center for Truth and Love exists to equip believers to know what is true and then to speak that with compassion. We focus on apologetics, biblical worldview, and cultural engagement. And there are some phenomenal resources that are absolutely free on our website, the Center for Truth and Love.org, and, um, and, and also uh, our television show that's on, on Dish and Direct TV is also archived there. And so some things that may be able to help the listeners, and that's what we do. Equip believers to lovingly speak what is true. Well, Ben, there's no doubt about it. That is definitely needed in today's world. Now, uh, recently I watched a sermon you preached at Word of God Ministries titled The Genesis of Identity. Why did you decide to preach a message on identity during a Sunday morning service at a church? I spoke it in in the month of June, and June is a month where the LGBT community celebrates the opposite of what God endorses. The Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So in a cultural moment where so many are celebrating the opposite of what God talks about, I feel like we had to address biblically what does the Bible say about humanness. And man, there are many in the next generation that are being taken captive by the untruth of identity, of of false identities. And then parents, grandparents, and the culture of the church has to be equipped to speak what is true. And so I will say it was a little scary because I I mean, you know, obviously that, that particular congregation is quite large. And so no doubt there were people there that day that wouldn't have agreed with this. And I'm certainly glad they were there. But we cannot retreat and say, well, because truth is going to offend people, we can't say it. We just have to make sure we're speaking in love. And so I guess I don't know if I went too long there, but that's why we— Ben, there's no doubt about that people who were there needed to hear the truth. And unfortunately, many people only come to church and don't go to other things. So if they're going to hear truth about identity, they're going to need to be uh, addressing it at the church in the cultural moment, like you said. 
Now, now one of the things, Ben, that I'm a big stickler on is defining terms. And I think sometimes we get confused because we don't define terms properly. When you're talking about identity, what do you mean? How do you define those terms? Yeah, and when I tackled this topic, I've never really addressed it in a Sunday morning context in this way. And so I felt it vital to define identity. And I also define the word identify because that's kind of the verb of this noun. That's the, And I think the noun is more derivative because when you're identifying something that's active. And so identify, I said, was to distinguish the reality of a particular entity by delineating or categorizing its unique attributes. And the illustration I gave was, you know, I I live on the bay, and so we'll go out and dolphin spotting. And when you spot a dolphin, what you see, you see the sky, you see the water, but then you see this beautiful creature pop out of the water, and you identify it by going, that's not water, that's not sky, that's something else. And it has unique attributes unto itself. And so I've identified, oh, that's a dolphin. And then I went on to say that identity was the summation of the delineated attributes of an entity that correspond with reality. So like I I gave the illustration of my son, we're teaching him, he's 15 months, and we're teaching him, um, you know, what is your hands, here's your feet, here's your head. Well, Cranston is not his head, but he's the sum total of his hands, his feet, his head, all of these things, but he is also not two-headed. He's not forehanded. Um, he only has two hands. And so he is not things that don't correspond with reality. So identity is those characteristics that correspond with what is real. That's my identity. Ben, in your message, you, you made a couple key points uh, to sort of set the tone for how do we find the genesis of identity. Uh, what, what were those points and how did they fit into the message? So there were two ways, and, and it was kind of more of a way to organize the message than necessarily like, here's this declarative statement. But when we look at identity biblically, we see two very significant things in the book of Genesis. And the first is what I call um, the, the good difference. So it's really cool. In Genesis 1, there's an adjective that God uses to describe his whole creation. It's a four-letter word that starts with a G, good. Everything that made that God made was good. And he goes over and over again describing it was good. Now, I believe that God is not giving himself a compliment. What he is describing, that word goodness, is it's complete. It's, there, there's nothing else that, that is needed. It's, uh, that's good. We've completed that task. We've completed this task. But then we get to Genesis 2.18, and it's fascinating that all of a sudden God says, hang on. It is not good that man should be alone. And what what I highlighted was that it's possible that God could have made man in such a way that man reproduced, um, but that wasn't good. God wanted a, a second kind of person, and that was woman. And so when the Bible says it's not good that man should be alone, it demonstrates that there is a different kind of person that God wanted to complete. 
um, uh, the creation. And when we realize that, what we realize is that God created two kinds of people. And what's very important is God did not create many kinds of people as our culture claims. We say, oh, well, there's, you know, there's this race and that race. No, God created one race. It was the human race. And it is amazing how we divide people where God did not intend. God didn't intend us to divide us by hair color or eye color or even skin color. He wanted to divide us by humanness, which was man and woman. And where God has divided man and woman, we're put together and say, well, men and women are basically the same entity, which is biologically untrue. But where he has has not divided, we've put all of these lines. And so what a redemptive thing to understand that there are two kinds of people. Which one am I? So that is the good dif- the good difference. You know, Ben, I find that Genesis chapter 2 account uh, very fascinating where God had Adam name all the animals. And it says that uh, after he named all the animals that Adam did not find a helpmeet among the animals. And some people would say, well, didn't God know that? Was he trying to find out that uh, Adam needed something else? No, God understood that Adam needed a helpmeet other than the animals, but he wanted Adam to know that he could not find a completion of himself, uh, another helpmeet out of the animals. And that's why God had to create two kinds of people, male and female. And, And so it's that thing that is so important for us to understand that uh, we are not part of the animal kingdom. We are image bearers of God completely different. Now, now, uh, Ben, what would be point number two? Yeah, so what what I just call it the value dilemma. And so what, what evolutionary biology has forced our culture to do is go, who is better? And that is, that is actually fundamentally the incorrect question. So I, I did talk about how Darwin's book is not called Origin of the Species. It's called Origin of the Species and um, the, the Preservation of the Favored Races. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's a racist title. And this whole concept that you survive by overtaking has caused this conflict between men and women that should not exist. But when you identify men and women as separate complementary creations – that the man is is not complete without the woman, that the woman is completing her, and that, that God did not pull uh, this creation out of, of out of a bone out of Adam's head so she could lord over him, or, or a bone out of his, his foot so he could lord over her, but rather out of his side, that they were together in this creation, um, that when you realize these things, that you find that biblically who is better is the wrong question. And so a lot of times I talked about kids a little bit. When when I deal with kids, I ask who's better, and it's always fun because they're like the girls are better, you know, all the girls and the boys are better. And I said, you know, there's a Bible answer to that, and here's the Bible answer: who's better? And the answer is, is women are better than men at being women. And men are better than women at being men. That there is a value dilemma. And when we stop trying to find power over and start trying to find satisfaction in my created purpose, then all of a sudden I don't have this value dilemma. There's no doubt about it. We are finding a lot of young people are struggling with this 
identity crisis and what it means to be human. Ben, I know you get into uh, a lot of Christian schools, and uh, uh, do you find that this struggle is real even in Christian schools? It is surprising, and I think most people would be surprised to the level. Share with us, uh, at what level are you seeing this taking place in Christian schools? Yeah, so none of this is comprised research, so it is anecdotal. But what's amazing is after a while, it almost doesn't become anecdotal because of the number of people that I do encounter. And so, I mean, we're, we're today with at a conference with probably 75 schools, maybe. I don't, I don't know the exact number. That may, may be lower than that. Um, but but every one of them is struggling with, with – has struggles in their school with gender identity. Uh, I was speaking in a Sunday school class in one of the most conservative counties in America, and one of the teachers said, I have five girls in my fifth grade class that identify as boys. Well, five in one class is significant. So this this is an, and, and that and that's not unusual. So I would say almost every class in America in the public school has at least one child that's identifying opposite gender. That I, that would be a summation of what I've encountered. It may not be true, but certainly it's significant. Would you agree that if five are identifying at a different gender, then a lot more in that class are really struggling with identity, even though they haven't identified differently at the time? Yeah, and so that's something I mentioned today in in the lecture that I gave at the conference, and that is my question was, okay, if there's five that have identified, how many are struggling? And so in my mind, I was like, well, could it be, you know, three or four others that haven't yet, you know, that they're struggling? And what we have to understand, especially on the elementary level, level, is that if there are five that have identified opposite gender, then the whole entire class, not just a few other, is struggling with what is a human because they're confused about this. And so, yeah, if you have in one class in every in America, if every class has someone that's identifying opposite gender, then the entire generation is struggling with what a human is. Ben, if you had a young person come up to you and uh, share with you that they were struggling with their sexual identity, uh, what advice would you tell them? And also, uh, what advice would you give to a parent or a teacher who, who is faced with that type of situation with one of their children or a student? How do you go and address it with that young person who's struggling? Well, the answer to this question is very important. And the answer is absolutely it depends on the young person. So speaking the truth in love requires us not to confront untruth inside the individual with these mass precepts. And there certainly is value in in these precepts and training when it comes to a large audience. And I think we've missed this where it's like, well, you know, if you say it in church, you say it to the individual in the same way, and you don't. And both are important. It's not, well, you know, I have this ministry model where we, we don't preach on Sundays. We just, you know, we walk with people through life. Well, this is not an either or. So we have to have people that are faithfully giving the precepts. But when it comes to the individual, what am I going to say? Well, the question is, is where are they struggling? And so I have to walk through them in their individual story. So I feel like I just shared some of the precepts that need to be a part of that. But the bigger question I need to ask is, what does this student or child, my child, or to, what do they not know? 
And so I, that comes from an investigation and a series of questions that I might ask. So what, what do you think a man is? What do you think a woman is? How did you come to that conclusion? And start asking some questions that help you step into their story. And that is going to inform you as to how these precepts can be presented to them in a way that will speak to right where they're at. And then more importantly than what I'm going to say is the power that God is going to use in me. So is it, am I anointed with the Holy Spirit as I step into this conversation? And is he guiding me into the truth that needs to be said as I step into this person's story? You know, Ben, I think Christians sometimes are so quick to just give out a Bible verse. Uh, someone comes up and they're questioning and they just jump right to Genesis 1 and just say, listen, you've got to understand God created everybody male and female and that's the answer. Just just get with it. When I, when I was teaching, especially teaching science, I, I started doing a, a certain strategy that whenever a student asked me a question, I responded with another question because I asked a question so that I would make sure I understood what their question was. If I didn't do that, I found myself maybe answering what I thought was their question and it wasn't. They were thinking something else. So I asked a question uh, to go and clarify what their original question was. Do you feel that that is also something that has to be done in these type of situations? Oh, Dr. Schultz, and this is why you are a master teacher. I think you have so much information on how to raise up the next generation, but you yourself are a gifted teacher, and gifted teachers want to figure out how to pass the information on. And not everybody has that gift. And so if you're listening, this is mostly educators, so most of you understand this intuitively. But there may be a parent or someone listening that's not gifted with the gift of teaching. And what is very important is that real love doesn't just say, here's the information. Real love says, what are you missing? What's going on? And then how do I contextualize that? And that advice of asking questions that help you establish, well, what don't you know about this? And, and I'll repeat those questions. Well, what do you think a man is? Uh, what is a woman to you? Um, do you think that, that the Bible is an authority? Because we have to establish that God's word is the authority here. So some of these questions are so key when, when we have the, uh, those conversations. You're absolutely right. What you're pointing out here is how important it is to have right relationships as you talk to young people about these issues. I can remember Josh McDowell always saying rules without relationships always breeds rebellion. And But at the other hand, sometimes parents go and because they love their children and see them struggling, they actually go to the point where they actually affirm what they're doing that is wrong. And we've got to make sure that we don't do this. Yeah, that's taking culture's definition of love. So in 1 Corinthians 13, the question is, is as a believer, do I have the correct definition? And the Bible says that that love does not rejoice. I think it's verse 6, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
So, so real love goes, what is true, not, well, I'm just going to affirm whatever you said. Real love is not acceptance. Real love goes beyond, except says, I, I love you as a person, as an image bearer of God, but I'm not going to accept the sin in your life. Um, and, and once again, the, the key is also discernment and understanding. So, you know, when my son falls down and, and scrapes his knee, as, as he eventually will, you know, running around the pool or, or violating a rule that I put in place, he steps outside of that. At the moment of pain is not the time to walk up and go, well, I told you so, son. That's the time to get him in the car and get him to the emergency room. But there is an appropriate moment to say, hey, you fell here. You did it, but it's because you stepped out of what and uh, out of what I what I said. And in the same way, when someone steps out of what our heavenly Father said, there has to be an appropriate time to step in and say, "Hey, here's where this is," and it's not loving to not speak truth. Ben, this is such an important topic, and we can't cover it in one episode. You're going to need to come back on Kingdom Currents for another one. But uh, tell our listeners again how they can find out more information on the Center uh, for Truth and Love and the resources that you have available. Yeah, well, once again, a great honor, and thank you so much for your willingness and boldness to highlight this topic, Dr. Schultz, because Real Love does speak to this. Uh, If you would like to get a resource on how to speak the truth in love, just a 14-day devotional guide that I put together that also has some videos. It's this cool ebook, and you could just text the word PREPARED like I am prepared, um, to uh, to the number 33777. So again, prepared to 33777. And that will sign you up for, for our newsletter and some things that can help you as a believer, and then also get you a free book on how to speak the truth in love. And then our website is filled with great things, The Curious Conversation, which is a 90-second format on, on issues that is worth going to watch. There are video clips that are produced. Uh, we call them the Prager U of Apologetics. And then also our television show on the website, thecenterfortruthinlove.org. Um, uh, and, and those hopefully could be free resources that would help anyone listening. And then if there's some educators that are interested or pastors watching that wanted to have our ministry come and speak at their church, that you could also find information there on the website. Thank you, Ben. And Appreciate you being on the program today, and pray God will continue to use you. For listeners, uh, please uh, go to that website, thecenterfortruthinlove.org, and find out more about how uh, Ben and his organization can equip you to reach this next generation for Christ. As you're listening to these podcasts, I I pray that you are subscribing to Kingdom Currents and that you're telling others uh, about these and and that you would join me at future episodes as we try to address God's plan for educating future generations through Kingdom Education. For more information on uh, Kingdom Education and the resources that we have available to you, please visit my website at KingdomEducationMinistries.com. That's KingdomEducationMinistries.com. God bless you and have a great day. Oh, oh, oh.